I got it sitting outside now, it came with no roof. It cost me four and a half dollars, and I got some proof. I smash on a model, I don't know her name, and they got a proof. I got a biggie, and I got a Cuban, and make up a crew. If you go visit where I come from, it look like a zoo. I got on my pivot, I ran up the mail, that's all I pursue. I got on a list, and I paid in cash, it's already approved. I got the booze, I keep me some ammo, and I got the juice. I got some pills, I smoke out the pound, and I got a loose. I got the splash, and I got the swag, and I don't seduce. What's up? What's up? What's good with it, everybody? We are back again for another episode of the Pick and Roll Podcast. Sam, what's good? What's up, baby? It's finally football season, man. We are finally here where we get college football and NFL at the same time. And here in a, in a couple of months, we're going to have the best time ever, which is going to be all football and basketball. But We'll get there eventually, but let's uh let's start out with talking about some college football, man. We we had a, a pretty interesting week two that just passed. Uh, I'll say probably the best game that we've seen this year thus far. Granted, it's only been two two and a half weeks, but best game we've seen definitely came this past weekend. Uh, Texas LSU. What was your takeaway from the whole game? What what impressed you? What what did you? What was your takeaway from this Texas LSU game? Uh, first of all, I want to agree with you. It was a great game. My my favorite thing about watching these two teams play is watching the improvement from the quarterback position from both teams. Yes, um, I feel like Ellinger or Ellinger, however the hell you say it, and uh, and uh, Joe Burrows. They both took a major step forward as far as passing the football. Um, yeah, it, it was fun to watch those guys sling it around. What they both threw for over four hundred, right? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was just slinging that thing around. Um, wasn't much defense to speak of. That's crazy to to say, considering we're watching LSU. But I mean, when is the last time LSU had three receivers have a hundred yards received? Man, I couldn't tell you, but. This whole uh, pass-first offensive scheme that they got going on is exactly what LSU needed to take that step forward, in my concern. I mean, as far as from my standpoint, I think that Joe Burrow is showing everybody that he's legit. He's really what he was made out of. I knew last year uh, Dwayne Haskins, prior to winning a starting job, was in a very, very, very close race with Joe Burrow. And a lot of people were like, well, why? Like, why Why was, why was it that close? Joe Burrow is showing everybody now why it was that close. And Joe Burrow is, <laughs> man, I, I'm, I loved everything that I saw out of him. He's one of those quarterbacks that you can tell has extreme confidence in himself as a passer. And he made a lot of throws, I'll say, against Texas that kinda kinda shocked me a little bit. I'm like, that's a, that was a dime. Like that was a really good pass. And same for Texas. Like you said, with Ellinger, man, or Ellinger, I mean, he yeah, he showed a lot too. He was last year mostly known for his uh running ability and and whatnot. But this year he's definitely showing that he he can pass the ball. Um my question to you is LSU for real? Do you do you think that they are for real a legit contender? Um, I think as of right now, there's no way we can deny that. Um, I mean, as the season goes on, I'm 
we may learn more and realize that they aren't who we think they are. But right now, I mean, there's no way that you can deny they're, they're showing that they're clearly one of the best teams in the country. Um, <coughs> we'll, we'll find out more when they get to Bama. But I, I like this LSU team. Um, maybe a little drop-off on defense, but a big step up on offense. So it might end up being a good result for them. I personally think um, I like this LSU team. I like them a lot. But I think we may be a little too high on them and crowning them one of the best teams in the nation, mostly because we know what the Big 12 is made of. It's it's always shootouts. So we knew that they was going to run into a Texas team that they was going to have to outscore. Granted, they definitely showed strides in being able to pass the ball better this year than they've been able to do in I don't know how many years. But with that being said, it's hard to judge or gauge just how – how good their passing offense is when they're not necessarily playing against that great of a defense. I'm anxious to see them once they get into uh, SEC play, like you said, a little later, it'll start to unfold. But as of right now, I think LSU was good. I don't, I definitely don't think they should have jumped all the way to four. Um, I I guess I understand it. You know, these polls right now. Yeah. They really don't mean much. I understand the logic behind it, but, I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't believe the LSU is the number four team in the nation. Um, saw a couple of posts about it right after the game. A lot of people were uh, talking about what they thought of LSU. And uh, most people had the the same thoughts that I did. LSU is a very good team this year, but they are not better than any of the five teams uh, or six teams. Some people were saying six teams that were – uh, ranked in the top six. They're definitely not better than Bama, in my opinion. Uh, they're not better than Clemson. Though Clemson has shown uh, some vulnerable uh, places on that, that team this year. Uh, don't believe that they're better than Oklahoma. Don't believe they're better than Ohio State. And I don't believe that they're better than Georgia. I uh, guess they they may be the sixth best team. I will, I'll give them that. But I don't, like I said, I don't think that they necessarily should have jumped that far. But We'll uh we'll see we'll see more of LSU. I think that like you said, once once the season progresses a little bit and they get some tougher matchups, we'll start to see is this team legit. But I'm gonna tell you what, man, I'm excited to see them play against Bama this year because that game is always it's always a marquee game, but it's been a long time since it's lived up to what it should. Probably what since the Honey Badger. That's probably the last time we really yeah, the seen they the title. Yeah, the, the uh, year they played back to back games. Like we haven't seen, uh, not back to back, but twice that year. But we haven't seen that LSU Alabama game really be what it's supposed to be in a long time. So I'm definitely excited about that. But um, moving along a little bit. Most impressive performance of week two. Who would you say was your most impressive performance that you saw? I'm going to let you go first because you know who I got. <laughs> <laughs> My most impressive performance was Maryland. Maryland. I was high on Maryland last year. A lot of people gave Maryland a lot of slack. <clears throat> granted, because of what they were going through down there with the coach and all of the stuff the uh player dying last year and all of that but Maryland their offense was was talented last year I watched them play against my Buckeyes which they took us to overtime and granted our defense wasn't the best last year but 
they showed some signs of being a really good offense, and they're continuing that trend this year. They treated Syracuse like Syracuse was a bottom-of-the-barrel type team. Syracuse was ranked. They was ranked 20-something. They were Syracuse was a team that a lot of people were high on coming into the season. Syracuse actually plays Clemson this upcoming week, and they were looking at, looking to this game for it to be, you know, a, a top-billed game. The game is being played at 7.30. Everybody knows that's when the big-time games are being played. Maryland came out and basically did what they wanted to out there. And they, yeah, they impressed me. Uh, definitely their quarterback play and their running back. Um, they've, they've got a lot of talent on that offense, and I'm excited to see just how good they can be or if they can make a legit run in the Big Ten this year. But go ahead and talk about your Trojans, man, because I know it's coming. Fight on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nah, but all um, – not even being biased, this was a very impressive performance to me by USC. I agree. I mean, down 14 early, we lost who we thought was going to be our guy at QB for the year to an ACL tear. So, I mean, for us to come out and get a 25-point victory over a a number 23-ranked Stanford team, which, as you know, we struggle with as a program since Andrew Luck's punk ass. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, we 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 snuck in a few dubs, but here it's there, been but, tight. Yeah, and, this year y'all flexed y'all's muscle a little bit. Yeah, and this this Keaton Slovin guy, hey, he I mean Slovis, he got me a little hype. See, that's little, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think that he really should have been man. a starting and quarterback from the for game? this to be his first start for thirty three for three hundred and seventy seven yards? True freshman with three touchdowns, no interceptions in a big game like this. That was it was very impressive to me. I didn't expect it at all. I thought this was going to be a heavy run game battle because I mean Stanford was missing their starting quarterback as well. But man, uh, I got I got a little something to look forward to now. I, I wasn't even that hype about college football this year, <laughs> but now I am, and we moved up to number twenty three. What's up? Yeah, I saw that. I did see that. So. Do you think that he should have been a starter from gate? You think that he's better than uh, what was his name, Daniel Daniels? Was that his name? Yeah, JT Daniels. Yeah, you think he's better than JT Daniels? He looked it. He looked it for sure. Uh, I don't know if I don't know what it was. I, I'm not going to crown him as better than him yet because it's only been one game. But I mean, JT really has. He didn't show me much last year. I just was high on him because he was a young. He was a young guy. And, yeah, and he just has some potential, but I mean, this Slovis guy seems to be the real deal. I mean, he he looked always in the pocket. He was making the right reads, and he was he was dropping them in. The ball placement was great. I, I loved it. So now we've talked most impressive games. Now we got to talk most disappointing performance. Who who you got for your week two disappointment, as far as ball club is concerned? Um. Well, it was a it was a couple games I looked at and I, I wanted to go with, but I couldn't really call them a disappointment. Um, so the one I'm gonna go with that was a disappointment for sure that I I, I didn't want to go with is the the Michigan Wolverines. And you know that's who I'm going with. I couldn't wait. And you know to I didn't want to because you know they they be my <laughs> <laughs> they be my sneak that my sneak peek that go to the four every year. Every year, every but, year. Yeah, they. 
they were pretty disappointing this week. I can't lie. I mean, it was just because I, I, I was thinking about UCLA. Then I was thinking about Washington. But I'm like, I'm not really high on those teams. So I can't really say I was necessarily disappointed in watching them lose or come close to losing. So that Michigan game, double OT with Army, even though Army is a, a, um, a tough game. Yeah, that's a, that's a legit ball club. Still, you don't you don't have aspirations to go to the Final Four and go to double OT with those guys, especially when you're supposed to be a, a great defensive team. You're supposed to flex your muscle and stop that run game. But, I mean, Oklahoma did almost lose to them last year and made it to the playoffs. But, oh, no, it was just different. That Oklahoma one was a shootout. This was like – They got oh, lucky. Yeah, I don't know. This was just weird. I, I just didn't like it. I, I'm not a fan of what they did this Saturday. They, but they, they won the game, so survive in advance, I guess. They got lucky. This, Yeah, we have. I have this as my most disappointing performance of week two, but it ain't disappointing to me. It makes me happy. I love to see this. But thing with this Michigan game was Michigan – didn't win this ball game. Army lost this ball game. Reason being, Army had a chance to close it out at the end of the fourth quarter by kicking a field goal. They missed the field goal. That that in turn came back to hurt them. But not only that, they also had an opportunity. They're marching down the field. All they have to do is score a touchdown and win this ball game. They're marching. And they decide to pass the ball. They've only passed the ball like twice the whole game. And they decide to pass the ball at a very inopportune time. And what happens? They turn the ball over. So Michigan, they came out on top. And another takeaway to me, this Michigan team celebrated that win like they had just beaten Ohio State or Michigan State or somebody like that. They ran and jumped in the crowd and all of this stuff. If I'm hardball, you're you got a lot to pay for when we get in that locker room and when we get to practice. Cause that's not how we act when we beat a team that we are supposed to beat. That's not how we act. I think that there's a lot going on down there. Michigan's gonna have to find a way to protect Shea Patterson. If they want to have any type of chance at winning not only the Big Ten, but possibly going to the playoffs, they're going to have to find a way to protect him because they couldn't do that. And they're showing that they can't do that on on the regular. So something's going to have to change. Uh, I don't quite know what it is, but, yeah, they're going to have to change something up down there. So let's let's switch gears, though. Let's, Let's talk NFL, man. The one story that just seems like it never ends. Antonio Brown, man. Just for the people who have been under a rock, let's let's recap a little bit. Antonio Brown had his fallout at the end of the season with Pittsburgh. Asked Pittsburgh to trade him. Pittsburgh trades him. They trade him to the Raiders. Everybody knows the Raiders is a place that most people can't thrive. I mean, it just, I don't, it's the, they call it the black hole. Uh, they call the, the stadium the black hole. And that's really what it's turning into for players. Uh, we saw players like Randy Moss go there. And he, I mean, Randy Moss is Randy Moss, but for what it's worth, he wasn't himself there. 
You also look at a guy like Amari Cooper, who they drew. Couldn't get he couldn't get anything going while he was in Oakland. Goes to Dallas and he has a rebirth. So once again, it's just it's something about Oakland. So once Antonio Brown gets there, uh, things seem to be going okay. Him and Derek Carr are building some rapport. Then all of a sudden, you get this story about him not wanting to play unless he gets to wear his old helmet, which the NFL banned. Um. That became a story in itself. Then once they figure out, okay, well, listen, that helmet's out. He went to a different helmet. Cool. Now he's getting into it with the front office. It's a whole bunch of stuff going on here. Then (laughs) after they get into it, he comes out and supposedly issues an apology. But right after the apology... He asked them to release him. So, to end it all, he ends up being released and ends up out of all places in New England. It was, yeah, I would say that that definitely a win for New England. But what do you make of this whole thing, this whole saga that we've we've had to witness uh, with Antonio Brown? Um. I was feeling like he had CTE. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know how I am. Yeah, yeah like, I do. Cause I just feel like um, I feel like some other, some of these other other guys have given us indications that they have CTE, but we didn't know enough about CTE to recognize the signs. Yeah. So now I'm all about just trying to recognize it early, even though I ain't nobody. You know. Right. But it's just. But after that. The Instagram posts, I don't know, for some reason, I just start feeling like it was something more about the bigger picture with Antonio Brown and 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 some and I feel like we not getting the whole story. We getting what the in the NFL wants us to get. And I think maybe Antonio Brown might not be as crazy as he seems. Um and then on the other hand, I also feel like he just ain't wanna be in Oakland. And he knew he ain't want to be in Oakland. And um, he knew that Bill and them was going to be cool with bringing him in if he got released. And then he went all in. Like, I really – so basically what I'm getting at is I don't know what the hell to make of this situation for real. <laughs> I, it, it was so – it was just such a roller coaster ride. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't even know that I even want to form an opinion because I just feel like we don't have enough information. I am I'm right there with you. Uh like you said it was a roller coaster, a bunch a bunch of twists and turns when it came to this whole situation in itself. Um but I tend to look more at the situation and the people close to the situation. Um seems to me the only person that's really come out and said anything negative about Antonio Brown through all of this stuff was uh Big Ben and that I figured that was going to happen because I felt like they were at a tussle for who was the leader of that ball club. Big Ben's one of those guys that no matter how old he gets, no matter how much he starts to decline as a player, he he wants to be the the alpha dog. 
which that's how the NFL moved. I mean, it's the quarterback and the coach. Yes, I agree. So, like I, I rightfully so, um, I think that Big Ben was is within his rights in doing that. But looking at the situation from everybody's perspective outside of Big Ben, you have uh, uh, David Derek Carr. Derek Carr. You have Derek Carr. He uh, came out immediately and. Like, they asked him about it, and he said, I'm glad y'all asking me about it now so I can go ahead and get this out the way. Had nothing negative to say about A.B. at all. Went on to say uh, he loves Antonio Brown. Their families have spent a lot of time with each other. Uh, He said he sent him a text telling him, I'm not sure what you're looking for, but I wish you the best. I hope that you find it. Um, That, to me, that shows that there was, like you said, there's definitely more to it. We just don't know exactly what. And even outside of Derek Carr, uh, Gruden, which was the head coach, issued a statement. I don't even I don't even know if a lot of people saw it, but uh, I think I sent it to you. Uh, Gruden said, "You are not crazy. You are just one of the most misunderstood individuals I have ever met in my life." So, to me. That, as a head coach, we know John Gruden isn't a guy that really, like, bites his tongue for anybody. Like, he just doesn't seem like that type of guy. He's never been. So, I felt like if there was something negative about the situation from A.B. or from A.B.'s perspective, he would have said that. He wouldn't have said, you're not crazy, you're misunderstood. He would have been like, well, yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going on with Antonio, but I'm just – I'm upset that we couldn't get everything to mend. And he was – like straightforward I felt like he was trying to say something without saying something like I felt like it was probably something that had to go on with somebody above Gruden something is going on there to where Gruden isn't able to speak up and say AB's not in the wrong these people in the front office or whoever's up here they're, they're messing with him they're fucking with him this is not he's not crazy just believe that all of this stuff that he's doing, he's doing it for a reason. That's what I took from it. Also with that, I also saw the story. I don't know how true this is, uh, but I saw that he reached out to uh, social media specialists to see what the uh, what is the best, what would have been the best way for him to get released by Oakland. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I don't like I said, I don't know how true that is, but uh, if that is the case. A.B., it worked in his favor, clearly. He's in a much better situation. We saw what New England just did to Pittsburgh, and he wasn't even on the field. So you can only imagine what it's going to be like for Tom Brady to have yet another threat to throw to. And not only is it, the, is it just a threat, it's the threat, arguably the best wide receiver in the league. I mean, statistically, he's been that guy for some years now. So – that to me, that's a beautiful thing in itself. But also, um, I haven't really kept up with it too much. But I know that he got a uh, he got money from Pittsburgh. But they also said that he's filing a grievance against uh, Oakland, and he could possibly come up on some money that way. And they said that what did they say? I want to say they said he could. I I don't remember what the amount was, but it was something crazy, like fifty mil or something like that between the two teams. Uh, of money that he'll be able to make. He made 31 mil off of uh, off of Pittsburgh. 
And they said if he wins the grievance against Oakland, com- uh, adding that on to the 31 mil that he got from Pittsburgh, he'll have $50 million that he would have won without even touching the field. Like, that's crazy to me. So, I, like I said, I don't know how, how true that is. I don't know. Do a little more research on that. But, yeah, man, that, that whole situation, it's just – it's a lot. It's a lot. I hope that A.B. finds the love for the game again and that he just becomes that guy that we know that he can be on the field without the charades. And best believe he's in the right place because Belichick ain't the guy to – Ain't the guy to tolerate none of that nonsense. He won't be there long if he on that bullshit. <laughs> We're gonna find out real quick whether it was A B or these other ball clubs. I bet you that. Yep. Um, let's move on to some performances that we saw this week, man. Lamar Jacks. He looked like he was back in college uh this past game. Granted, it was Miami, so Question to you, was Lamar's performance a fluke? Was this something that he's capable of doing on multiple occasions, or do you think that this was like a, a fluke-type thing or a one-time deal? Um, I wouldn't call it a fluke, but I don't think that we're going to see a Patrick Mahomes type of season from Lamar Jackson in year two. Um, I, I do like the improvements and I think that there is some of the stuff that he did that he can duplicate or do all year. But I mean, the numbers that he posted on Sunday, I don't think that stupid. Yeah, you. I don't think. I think that that might be a career game, or I mean, he might have another game like that. But I don't think that this is like this is who we're going to be seeing Lamar Jackson be. Like, even in college, how many teams did he beat from the pocket? Yeah, I, I, I just. I mean, I, I want Lamar to be great, you know what I'm saying? But I don't think that – like, people are really acting like this is who he going to be. And I, I definitely don't believe that. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad if it is who he is. I'd be happy for him. But I just don't think that we can expect a 50-touchdown season from Lamar Jackson. I think that we can expect a 50-touchdown season, but it's not going to come in the air. It's going to be a lot of combinations of – of uh, runs and passes. Cause I think Lamar will get a lot of opportunities this year to uh, get more read options. And uh, they ran him a lot last year, but I think he'll be a little more deadly this year with him adding somebody like Mark Ingram in his backfield. But uh, I think his performance, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I loved every bit of it. But um, I think the fact that it was against Miami ate it to how great of a performance it was. Um, I think that Baltimore has done a great job of protecting him now. I'm not sure if this was like a, like I said, if it was just because it was against Miami or what, but they've definitely shown that they've improved on last year where they didn't really have any type of protection for him. Um, Also along with that, He's got him a new toy to play with. And that new toy is definitely <laughs> it's definitely uh I'm sure a toy that a lot of other ball clubs would love to have and that's uh Hollywood Brown. That man went crazy. And I think that that is perfect for a guy like Lamar. You want somebody that can stretch the field like Hollywood can and um You've got other guys out there that can make plays as well, but 
just having Hollywood and having more protection from your line and then having a guy like Mark Ingram that you can just turn around and hand the ball to and know that he can uh, do a lot with the ball, I think that, that bodes well for Lamar. I think Lamar will have uh, a phenomenal season this year. I think it'll be a um, – mm, I'm not going to say MVP caliber season, but I think uh, for a little while, I think Lamar will be in the conversation maybe for the first few weeks or so, I think that once they really get into the heart of the schedule, a lot of things will change and we'll start to forget about him a little bit. But Lamar is showing signs of uh, a guy that is progressing at an extreme pace. He's not a guy that just looks like he's content with running the ball. You can tell he's trying to get better as a quarterback. And I love it. I love everything I'm seeing from that standpoint. I hope that he continues to do that. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I'm loving what, what they're doing with him in that offense. They're making him extremely comfortable. And like I said, we'll see, we'll see just how, how much Lamar has improved when, he, when they play somebody other than Miami. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that team that is just god-awful. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, they're horrible. This it ain't been nothing but week one, but they already got them penciled in to get the number one overall pick for next year. So uh that's pretty much how bad it's looking in Miami. But speaking of bad, man, Cleveland did not look good in week one. What do you make of their struggles? Do you think that this is uh you think we're overreacting and calling it a struggle, or do you think that this is a sign of things to come? What do you what do you make of all of that? Um well, I saw this coming for sure. I was talking to people at my um, people who was talking about betting at my. Take Titans or don't touch that game. I, I just first game of the season. You just added all those weapons. You're at home. You got a second year quarterback that you took number one last year. It was just so much pressure on this team to be great in week one. I didn't think they was going to get throttled. But I just knew they wasn't covering. I knew they was not covering in week one. I don't think this is something that we can expect to see out of them every week. But I think they're going to have some some night or some Sundays like this to where they just can't get it going. I I don't think that it's going to be seamless like a lot of people think. I I think that this uh, I think it'll get better with time, but. We've got to understand that there were a lot of changes that happened to this team. This that's not just something that you can just that just comes together overnight. All of the new pieces that were added, they have to figure out how they work in this offense. Um, not only that, your defense is good, but you you lost some guys that you have to replace, and a guy like. Uh, Jabril Peppers and things of that nature. Like, it wasn't anything drastic. And, yes, I feel like you got better. But, once again, it's going to take time for you guys to get to where everybody expects y'all to be. I think it's kind of uh, – I think it's it's kind of a bad thing when you really think about it because Cleveland has been so bad for so long that people want them to automatically jump into, bam, they're going to win a division this year. They're going to hit the ground running, and they're not going to have any growing pains. People want them to just jump up and be that team right off the bat. And 
you have to understand that they have a guy in Baker Mayfield who's coming into his second season. Had a had a phenomenal rookie year last year. But I mean we we've seen that out of quarterbacks. We've seen quarterbacks have great rookie years and then turn around their next season and struggle. That's just what it is. You have to adjust to the NFL because now teams have tape on you. Teams know what to expect out of you. They can get your tendencies, your analytics. All of that is broken down now in a way that they weren't able to do your rookie year. They had um, they had a small sample size as to what they could judge you off of. Now they've got an entire season. They know what you like to do. They know They know where you like to look. When you look in a certain direction, they know where you're going with the ball. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to have to happen in order for uh, Cleveland to get to where for them to get to where they want to be, and Baker Mayfield is going to be one of them. He's going to have to be one of them. I think that Baker's a, a good quarterback, a very good quarterback. But I once again, I think that he's going to have to figure out um, his connections with AB and Jarvis Landry and all of that. Like it, it's it's a lot that he's going to have to deal with. And woo, the fact that they don't have Kareem Hunt until what week eight or something like that that's gonna hurt as well because i feel like that's right when you're gonna get to clicking and then you're gonna have to throw another wrench in there that's just like damn it's another element to the offense that i gotta get used to which i think that'll be easier than what it has to do right now but i wouldn't count on cleveland being um one of the best teams in the league just yet i do still believe that they are the favorite to win a division because Everybody in that division outside of Baltimore looks god-awful. So I think it's going to come down to them and Baltimore. Um, but I, I don't know. I Once again, I think that Cleveland has a lot of growing to do. And I think that we'll see that. But I just don't know how long it's going to take. I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take at all. Um, let's. I guess let's go ahead and let's stick with this division, man. Pittsburgh... <laughs> had probably one of the worst showings of week one. Um, granted, they don't have Le'Veon anymore. Granted, they don't have AB anymore. So just how bad is this Pittsburgh team? Are they as bad as they showed that they were against New England, or was that just like a, I don't know, is that a, a one-time occurrence? What do you, What do you think of Pittsburgh? Um, I don't think they're as bad as they showed. But I mean, I don't think they're a good team either. I mean, I th- I mean, I got I feel like you got to at least say that they can. I mean, they can contend for this division as well. I mean, they got the they got the veteran quarterback, and they got the best receiving. When I I don't know, it's argue. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think they as bad as they show. I think they could be maybe eight and eight, nine and seven, or seven and nine, somewhere between there. I think every team in that division is going to hover around that point. And that's why I think that I, you can say that they might have a chance to win the division is because I think everybody in that division is going to be nine and seven in that range. I don't think nobody in that division going to win 10 games. Mm. I don't think so. Who the fourth could, team in that division? Cincinnati, right? Yeah, Cincinnati damn sure not winning 10 games. Nah, hell no. I mean, um, Cleveland, Cleveland probably would have the best chance to win 10, but I don't think they're going to win 10 games either. I think it'll be between Cleveland and Baltimore. I say Baltimore because of that defense. Um, 
last year we know that they uh they made the playoffs. They're coming off a playoff appearance last year, so I think that they'll they got a little taste of that. And I think this year they'll make strides and they'll make the playoffs again. Um ten win season, I feel like that's kind of asking a lot, but uh I feel like if anybody in that division can do it, I think it'll be them. I think on paper Cleveland's got the best chance, but realistically, I think it'll be Baltimore if anybody just for the simple fact that, like I said, I think it's going to take Cleveland a little while to get to where they need to be. I'm thinking maybe around week 10 or so, they'll, or week 8 or 9. Maybe I'll, say, I'll, go, I'll go 9. Week 9, they'll hit the ground rolling. And from then on, I feel like they'll start to become that team that we know that they can be. But I think Baltimore have a little bit of a leg up. As far as Pittsburgh, I don't think that they're as bad as they showed, but – they are bad, man. They are bad. And I feel like coming into the season, everybody knew that Pittsburgh was going to be bad. So I was being a little optimistic. I'm thinking everything that they <laughs> basically built just went wrong. They don't have their star running back. They don't have their star receiver. These are two guys that were arguably the best at their position ever. Um I feel like it all started to go downhill when Ryan Shazier got hurt. And then, like I said, from then on, everything else just torpedoed and uh, torpedoed to the ground. And it just, I feel like looking at it from that standpoint, it's like you almost got to feel like they lost everything. So they're going to find a way to fight somehow. They've still got Juju Smith-Schuster, which I think is one of the most slept-on receivers in the league. Um, you got a guy in James Conner who's coming off of a career year that basically helped them move on from Le'Veon, showed that they could pretty much do what they wanted to do. They also have Washington, which he's showing that he can be a guy. Um, they've got some decent talent, so I was just – expecting to see a little more out of them. They didn't even get in the end zone, though. So it's like, goodness gracious. I feel like Pittsburgh has a huge hill to climb just off the strength that James Conner is going to have to be the focal point of that offense, simple and plain. And I feel like a lot of teams know that. So they're going to take him out of the game and make those receivers beat them. And Juju has the – I feel like Juju can do it, but – Teams are going to kill on Juju. They don't. I don't feel like they have other guys that teams are worried about beating them. They've got some talented guys, but I don't think none of those guys are guys that are just like, yeah, we got to watch out for him. So I expect Pittsburgh to once again miss the playoffs this year. Um, simple and plain, it's time to rebuild, man. You got to go in another direction. I understand that. <laughs> that you 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 love Big Ben, but we got to go in a different direction now. If Big Ben can't lead this team to the playoffs, then he's showing you that he's no longer capable of being that leader that you need him to be or that focal point of the offense that you need him to be, should I say. So, um, a lot, once again, I don't think they're as bad as they show, but they're, they're a pretty bad team. They're, yeah. Okay. I, think, I think that they finish – second to last in the division behind uh behind both Cleveland and Baltimore and they'll have a similar season to the Bengals this year. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that's exactly what I'm seeing happening for them. But uh let's uh 
most eye-opening element of week one. I'll go ahead and start this off, man. Come on now. You, you know I'm going with this. This Dallas Cowboy offense under Kellen Moore is totally different. And I love it, to be completely honest. Um, reason being is offense prior to Kellen Moore being there, we saw – Zeke right, Zeke left, Zeke to the outside, Zeke screen. That's all we saw. We saw this week, excuse me, this is an offense that does not have to lean on Zeke. They can if, you know, if that if it calls for that. But this is a team that, or an offense, that is definitely showing that it's got a lot of different dimensions. Last year, it was almost like, you stop Zeke, you beat the Cowboys. Or you stop Zeke, the Cowboys are in trouble. That's clearly what happened. We saw that against in the, uh, in the playoffs against the Rams. They stopped Zeke. They ultimately controlled the game. That was the that was the basically the case for all other teams that played the Cowboys. If they could do that, they had an opportunity. We saw this week Zeke had fifty three rushing yards. 53. If you give any team that played the Cowboys last year this opportunity, if you tell them, listen, Zeke's only going to have 53 yards on y'all this week. Every team in the league that they played last year is going to be like, oh, we got this. We're going to win this ball game. It's, it's easy. This team has shown that they've got a lot of, once again, elements that they can – switch to without having to rely on Zeke. Biggest takeaway from this offense to me, Michael Gallup. He took he he was good last year, but I don't think the offense did enough to get him involved. He definitely showed that he's a guy that's ready to to be second fiddle to Amari Cooper. And then alongside that you got Randall Cobb in the slot now. So like once again, there are a lot of different dimensions. They're getting the tight ends involved a little more. I just love what I'm seeing out of this Kellen Moore uh, offense, and uh, I had, of course, I had to go with them as um, for my most eye-opening element. But also along with that, I got to give a shout out to Deshaun Watson, man. That guy is—he's everything he cracked up. He was cracked up to be everything that people expected him to be. Or everything that a lot of people even said that he wouldn't be, he's showing that he is that. And I, I love everything I'm saying out of him. But what was your most eye-opening, uh, I guess, thing to take away from week one in the NFL? Um, the the most eye-opening thing to me wasn't even on the field. Hmm, what was that? Antonio Brown to the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, I think that right there was like, it, that sent shockwaves. Yeah. And I think that people want it to not work so bad just because they're scared of what that shit going to look like if it do work. <laughs> I know I am. Like, we already – we know what Tom Brady does when he has weapons. Like, he, we know that he can make the most out of whatever he's got. But when he's really got a guy, even if it's just Gronk, when he's got a guy, he's just too much. And, and now you're talking about he got two guys, and then now don't be surprised if Gronkowski go ahead and hop up off that couch. <laughs> A lot of people have been talking about that. I'm telling you, I, I 
I don't think it's going to be early in the season, though. It ain't no, ain't no reason to. But he gonna start, we going to start seeing Gronk posting videos in the gym and shit. And Gronk going to come off that couch, man. And the Patriots going to be a force again. And I'm tired of it. <laughs> I was ready for somebody new to come out the AFC. But as long as AB on that squad, man. That's man. A-B let's to just, T-B. I mean, T-B let, to A-B. Let's just put it like this, man. The last time Tom Brady had arguably the best wide receiver in the league, he went undefeated. And, he, and they broke mad records. Endless was, records. Like, it was a, <laughs> an unstoppable duo. Pitch and catch. That's all it was all day. They were clearly the best team in the league that year. Even though they lost in the championship, they were the best team in the league that year. So I'll, I'll say that that's probably the best best team I've seen since I've been watching the NFL. Like with my that's not far fetched at all. Like you say, even though they lost, like that that Patriots team from top to bottom, like their offense was phenomenal, their defense was phenomenal. That was a really good team. Yeah, that that, that team was unreal. And um, that, that duo, that Tom Brady to Randy Moss, that shit was just. It was beautiful and scary at the same time. Granted, AB's a different type of receiver, but he's Tom Brady's type of receiver. Yes, and now we're talking about a a pass friendly NFL. Yeah, that was was still that was like the tail end of like that was the beginning of all these new rules and shit. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady and Randy Moss was like it was still real heavy pound pound the run back then. This is just. This is insane as to what it's going to do for Tom Brady and him aging. You add in a guy like A.B., Tom Brady doesn't have to be the Tom Brady of the past anymore. All of these receivers that they've got, this is ridiculous. Like, if Gronk does decide to come back from retirement, it's over. Hand him the trophy because it's a wrap. Like, he's going to get him another one. I just... I don't even know what to think at this point. It's just like, damn, they did it again. Like, they just, New England always finds a way to do what everybody knows they're going to do. But it just, they continue to get better year after year. And it's just, it's it's crazy to me. So, yeah, that was extremely eye-opening to me as well. I won't lie about that. But um, before we get off the NFL, man, let's, uh. Let's do a Super Bowl pick. Who you if you had to pick your Super Bowl right now, moving forward, who would you have in a Super Bowl? A rematch. Oh. Yeah, we are coming back. <laughs> and we're gonna upset them boys like they got upset by the Giants. Flat out. I definitely don't see a rematch. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that y'all had y'all's opportunity last year. I don't think that y'all go back this year. I'm not saying that y'all won't be in the conversation for the years to come, which I definitely think y'all will, but I don't think this is going to be the year. Um, I think there's something going on with Gurley that I can't quite put my finger on. I watched y'all's whole game in week one, and I understand that y'all are trying to lighten the load on him, and then – uh, it worked out because you guys lightened the load a little bit in the first half, and then in the fourth quarter he took over and basically did what we expected him to do throughout the game. But 
there were a lot of carries that I saw him take in the first half where he just did not look like himself. He got arthritis, bro, in his it's, right knee. It's terrible. Like, it's showing. It's showing. Like, this is a guy that we knew. He's explosive. He hit. He grabs the ball, hits a hole, and he does what he does. But I didn't see much of that against uh, against Carolina. So, excuse me, I think you guys are in good hands because you've got a couple of guys behind him that can do some things with the ball. But I think ultimately that's going to be what keeps you guys from getting back to the Super Bowl. Um, I think I obviously want to pick the Patriots, but I'm not going to pick the Patriots. You like the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs get over that hump and get there. I think last year was enough to open their eyes like, listen, man, we've got the tools to get to where we need to be. We have, we just have to execute and make sure that it happens. I think the Chiefs make it, and the NFC is a little cloudy right now. I think it's a lot of teams that are in that conversation. I think the Saints are in that conversation. Um, I also think that y'all are in that conversation. And of course, I'm going to be that Cowboy fan that niggas hate and say that my Cowboys are in that conversation. That's Mostly, not a reach this year. It's, it's not. not it's especially not. not right now. I think that the reason why it's not a reach this year is because, for one, we're taking a step on offense. We've already shown that we're changing things on offense. But along with that, this defense is going to be really good this year. And you've got to factor in that our pass rush looked pretty good in game one. We don't even have Robert Quinn there yet. So that's going to bring another element to it. So uh, naturally, my Super Bowl projection is the Chiefs and the Saints. But basically what everybody thinks it should have been last year. Yeah, pretty much. But, of course, the fan side of me, I got the Chiefs and the Cowboys with the Chiefs beating the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. So I guess it could go either way. I'm not quite sure. I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, he just picked the Cowboys because that's his team. So that's why I decided to pick the Saints. But once again, if I pick, if my Cowboys go, y'all heard it here first. But uh, yeah, man, I, I I'm not a. I don't think that it's far fetched, like you said. It's not. This isn't one of those years where Cowboy fans are reaching. No, I'm. Right. I would find myself to be a pretty level headed Cowboy fan. I'm going to tell you straight up. No, man. you're not. No. Oh no. my gosh. Yes, I am. No, you just like the rest of us. <laughs> no, I'm not, dog. No, I'm not. But uh, yeah, man. Let's 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 talk NBA real quick, man. Boogie tore his ACL, man. It's been a while since we've actually had the opportunity to talk about it. But he tore his ACL. He got a lot going on with his his girl, his baby mom, or whatever. Uh, restraining or not restraining orders, warrants for his arrest, all type of stuff. But. Beyond that, the Lakers decided to go after Dwight Howard. They they tried out a few guys, Dwight Howard, Joe Kim Noah, um, and I want to say Marcin Gortat, but they ultimately decided on Dwight Howard. Was that a good sign for the Lakers? Me being a Laker fan, I'll take this one first. Yes, this is a good sign for the Lakers because this is a Dwight Howard who has a lot to prove, but he's stepping into a situation where we don't need him to be 
the center. We've got a guy like JaVale that, that most likely will start, but Dwight is a guy that we can uh, turn to. And they've, once again, I think that the way that they constructed this contract was perfect. They told him straight up, listen, this is not a guaranteed contract. If we cut you before such and such date, we're not paying you that money. But here's the deal. We need you to go out here and rebound the ball and protect the rim. That's all we need you to do. We don't need you to go out here and be an offensive juggernaut. We don't need you to go out here and get us 20 points a night. We don't need that. We need you to protect the rim and rebound the ball. That, to me, is what Dwight Howard excels at. That's what he does the best. So he's at a point now where nobody really believes in Dwight Howard. He's just been passed around for the last two years, last three years. So I think that it's a great opportunity for both ball, for both sides of the party. The Lakers get a guy that is hungry to prove that he can still play a little bit, and Dwight gets an opportunity to show that he can play. So I think that it is a good sign for the Lakers. What's your take on it? Uh, first off, man, I just want to say it's it's such a disappointment to see Boogie go down again. I agree. Real, I, I mean, heartbreaking. If yeah, if you like sports, there you, you got to feel for this guy, especially him being as great as he was before the injuries. It's just tough to see. Um, yeah, that, that's that's tough to see, man. Especially just working on your game, you playing pickup ball to tear your ACL. Nobody wants to see that. And now we can pretty much say that we probably we may not ever see Boogie again on a basketball court. But even if we do, we'll be calling him Demarcus. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not, man. Don't laugh. I wouldn't even be funny. I'm serious, bro. But um, as far as the White Howard, though. Um, I mean, if you liked what JaVel McGee gave you last year and now you're asking a Dwight Howard to step into that role, I mean, you've got to be a fan of that, especially considering his four-man ain't going to be Kuzma. It's going to be Anthony Davis. Davis. So, I mean, my freaking goodness. You, you couldn't ask Talk about rent protection. Bro, yeah. I mean, my goodness. Five years ago, if you would have said that was somebody's front court, you would have been like, oh, that's 15 rings in a row. <laughs> right. Dwight Howard right. and Anthony Davis. Like, of course, Dwight, <laughs> Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. Like, like come on, yo, stop it. <laughs> like, come on. I, I, I think that that move right there might be the one that wins y'all chip. You know, and you know I don't want to say that shit. But, I mean, if Dwight give you what you need and – and don't be all petty and on that crybaby shit. I mean, that's it. That's it's, it. Who? How, what? You, how you gonna score? Because the white he could guard a little bit off the pick and roll too. Mm-hmm. And then you got Bron. I mean, that front court: LeBron, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. Defensively, it's easily an upgrade from Boogie, which is insane to really think about. Because obviously Boogie is what he is or what he had been on offense. And you like, so what? Boogie is 10 times better on offense. But you don't need the offense from a center now when you got a guy like Anthony Davis and no, LeBron. Anth- I mean, Dwight Howard is the type of center you want with LeBron. That's exactly, exactly. Spring, exactly. you go run the floor, just catch, run the floor and catch lobs. That's all exactly. you got. Like, Boogie wasn't going to be able to do that for LeBron. But... Yeah, I, 
I think that it, the situation worked out perfectly for the Lakers for the simple fact that Anthony Davis was adamant. I do not want to play center. I am a power forward. I want to go back to my primary position. I think that with you having a guy like Boogie and the history that we've seen the last couple of years and him may not him, the possibility of him not playing as many minutes as you would like him to, or him getting dinged up here and there. Anthony Davis was going to have to see some center time. Granted, he probably will still, but it won't be nearly as much as he would have had to see with Boogie on the roster. I think that they'll do it here and there for maybe like a, a, just a a floor stretching type uh, uh, lineup. But yeah, I think that adding a guy like Dwight Howard is perfect for Anthony Davis. Once again, he gets to go back to his his, his comfort zone. Him being power, him being a power forward, I feel like that's where he plays his best ball. And, and they both they're both going to free each other up on the rebounds. Yes, especially on smaller teams, you got to box out two seven footers. They, who got who has two seven footers anymore? Right, and it's crazy because I said this a couple of years ago. The key to beating Golden State or to beating that monster in Golden State, which is no longer, I don't feel like a monster. I still think that they're obviously a contender, but uh, once Clay comes back, obviously, but they're not that monster. But the way to, to knock down that monster is to get some girth in that paint and slow the ball game down. Now that you don't necessarily have that to deal with, I think that it it's so it makes the game so much easier now. You can do a lot more. You don't have to worry about matching threes with uh Clay, Steph, and KD. Like it, it that it was just that's something that nobody is going to be able to do anything with. Simple, simple and plain. Even with Toronto winning the championship, we all saw what it was when KD was on that court. So yeah, different game. It's just I feel like with you having two seven footers in the way the NBA is right now, with the way that all of the teams are constructed, it definitely bodes well. You can tell that the game's starting to shift back into what it was as far as uh, players spreading out now and things of that nature. But I still think it'll be a little bit of time before we see teams get back to uh, getting some dominant big men. But I think that this is the start of it. Just like the NBA, is, a, everybody has said, the NBA is a copycat league. So if the Lakers go on and win a championship this year, teams are going to be like, that's it. There it is. Gotta we got to go get some bigs. And it's just going to change the culture of the game again. So I think that it could be huge for not only the Lakers, but the NBA as well. So um, last thing before we get out of here, man. Man, this, this is something that has really uh, – it's messed with me a little bit because I just, for the life of me, cannot wrap my head around why the fuck Carmelo Anthony is not on somebody's roster. Like, you cannot tell me that every team in the NBA, everybody on their roster is better than Melo, or none of these teams can use Carmelo. Like, that, it just doesn't make sense to me. Do you, do you, we saw Royce White's comments. Do you think that Carmelo is really being blackballed from the NBA? I don't want to call it that. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, bro. I, what, one thing I'm leaning towards is that, yeah, he's better than uh, a lot of guys in the league, but I think that teams are looking at it like, 
do you want a guy in the middle of your lineup or the end of your lineup being a distraction to the team? I think that's what it's starting to come to. If it's not that, then then I don't know what the hell it is. Because, I mean, he's obviously better than – he's better than at least a third of the NBA right now, probably Back. more than that. So, I mean, it's got to be – Give me Melo over Jared Dudley. Yeah, but – Jared Dudley didn't get scooped for his abilities at all. He's a locker room guy. He's been a locker room guy for years. Fact. They ain't, ain't nobody – y'all ain't bring Jared Dudley in to really contribute. I mean, granted, he will have his games where he's hitting the three ball because he can shoot that bitch, but he ain't getting contracts. For his to, ability. Nah. But I I, don't, I just don't want to – I don't want to think that uh, he's getting blackballed. I don't think the NBA is like that. I think that – this is just an Iverson situation. Yeah. Like when Iverson, when Iverson was getting put out the league, if we was watching footage of him playing pickup in the summer, the shit probably would have still looked the same. Like out there torching everybody, but I don't know, man. Or maybe maybe Melo might have said some shit. I think that I think I don't necessarily think that it's blackballed. Because I don't necessarily think that Melo has done anything to get blackballed. But the more I think about it, I think that Melo has this this weird cloud hanging over him that for some strange reason people believe that he's uncoachable. Once again, like you said, similar to the Allen Iverson situation. Mostly because of the way the situations have gone with him. There's been a little bit of static with him and coaches here and there, but I don't think that there's been anything drastic enough for him not to be on anybody's roster. I just personally think a lot of teams felt like Carmelo wouldn't be okay with accepting a lesser role, which now we know that Carmelo is. He went out on national TV and said, I don't mind that. Like, If that's what I have to do, that's what I'll do. And I think that 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 was a huge step for him. Excuse me. He also addressed a lot of other things that people had questions about, like why he stayed in New York and all of that. Like, I'm glad to see Melo open it up a bit, but I just don't know if it's too late. Like, it might be teams just like, oh, he just saying that because he want to be on somebody's roster. Like, I don't necessarily know if people are believing that. So, I think that before this NBA season is over, uh, before I'll even say before All Star break. Uh, we'll see Carmelo on somebody's team. I'm not quite sure who. I'm hoping and praying it's my Lakers because I think that if any situation could benefit Melo, it's the Lakers right now because we wouldn't need a lot out of him. And not only that, he he would be playing with – I don't think he's ever played with a guy that he actually uh, respects – on the level that he respects a LeBron. Like, he played with Russell Westbrook. He played with uh, Paul George. He played with uh, Chris Paul. He played with James Harden. Uh, I will say Allen Iverson, I feel like he respected on that level. But outside of Allen Iverson, there's nobody else that I feel like he respects. Like, he would respect a LeBron as far as as a teammate, not just as a person, but as a teammate. Like, as a, a leader, I feel like LeBron is... He's bar none top notch. He's the best leader in the game. So I believe that if anybody can get him to where he needs to be mentally to produce, I think it's LeBron. 
I think that situation would be perfect for Melo. So I'm I'm hoping and praying that happens, man. That'd be dope. I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that at all. See Melo and Brian. But I mean, it is weird that he, he isn't on anybody's roster. But the last time we saw him he did he It's so hard, man. Bad situation. Yeah, it was. That's what I'm saying. It's hard. It's just I, I, I personally think that Melo still got plenty. Of yeah, he got basketball left. He's got some some basketball left in the tank. It's weird for sure. It's just a matter of whether we're gonna get to see him play it or not, man. But uh, if we see somebody with some glaring weaknesses at the uh, at the small forward, and still nobody picks him up, like if somebody takes some injuries. Still, nobody scoops up Melo. Then I think we can start talking about uh, some blackballing and shit. But right yeah. now, I mean, teams don't really know what they need for real. They teams know what they want and they know what they think they got. But once the games start being played, that's gonna let you know. Yeah, I think somebody like the Jazz could benefit from a Carmelo Anthony. I don't think it. I think that. Uh, I think the Jazz would be a good fit. But I, I, I also wouldn't be. Surprised to see him end up uh, in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's the team showing interest. I think but that. What, a, what about uh? What about um? Man, what was I about to say? Um, I'm tripping. I forgot that damn quick. Bro. <laughs> I think it's a couple of teams. The Nuggets. That, the Nuggets. That would be lovely. I mean, it's a homecoming. The Nuggets could use that uh, that surge off the bench. Like they've got a a, a pretty solid bench, but Melo coming off the bench would it, I feel like it would help you a lot. And Denver loves Melo. Like it's it's a win win as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think that would be a smooth little spot. I think that it would be perfect. I think you sign him to a one year deal. You let him do what he does this year, and you bring him back next year if if he shows. That, excuse me, he don't he doesn't really have enough in the tank to give him a multi year contract. You sign him to a one year deal this year. You bring him back next year for his farewell tour. Simple yeah, as that. He they already lost Michael Porter. Yeah, but he ain't out for the year. Nah, not not for the year. So I mean, that would be smooth. Go ahead and get Melo in there. Give him some time. Yeah, give Michael Porter Jr. some time to get back to exactly where he needs to be. And in the meantime, you got a guy that's got experience and a guy that's a fan favorite, which will help take some of the slack off of Michael Porter Jr. I know they still love him in Denver. You know it. Everything that he's done for that city, they ain't seen nothing close to what Melo did for them since he left. So, um, yeah, man, you got um, Bergini the bookie. What are your man. games this week? Do you have any that you would you would tell our people to go toward or stay away from when it comes to betting? Bro, I ain't even get the look today, bro. Uh, We're stupid. We stupid busy at work, bro. Stupid busy. But I'll, I'm going to post them on the page. I'm going to post them tomorrow. There we go. All right, so y'all heard it here. Bergini the bookie. He's going to let y'all know. Which games to go tour, which games to stay away from, which lines to like, all of that. He's going to let you know. But before we get out of here, let's do some pick We only got three. It wasn't too many uh, 
college football games that were interesting enough for us to do pickems. But uh, let's do NFL. We got Minnesota and Green Bay, which I think has potential to be a really good one. Who you got in that one? Um, give me the Packers. It's been a while since they did knocked off the uh, Vikings. I've seen that on on Facebook today. I'm going with the Packers. They do for a win against uh, Minnesota. Um, I think that we'll see. This is back to back weeks for Aaron Rodgers having to face a tough defense. Uh, granted, they were able to prevail last week because of the lack of offense that Chicago displayed. I don't think that's the case this week. I think that uh, they face another tough defense. I think Aaron Rodgers does a little better. But I like Minnesota just for the simple fact that their offense is way more potent than Chicago's. And if Dalvin Cook continues to play the way he played in week one, Minnesota's going to be a problem. So give me Minnesota. Saints versus Rams. I I, I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The rematch from last year. You got your Rams, right? Y'all at home too, huh? Where is it at? It's at home? Yeah, y'all. It's in L.A. Yeah, we're going to prove that we did not cheat. I'm pretty and sure. We didn't get cheated for. We're going to get that dub. Nigga, y'all definitely got cheated for. Nah, we're going to prove – well, we're going to prove that, that that's not why we won. We was going to win anyway. I can, I well, can respect okay, that. Okay, we're we going to show that we just the better team as well. Uh, we're yeah. better than this. Y'all in uh, – Y'all in Los Angeles. Give me the Saints. <laughs> they got a chip on their shoulder. They still they still a little bitter about last year. And I think we see Mike Thomas go stupid crazy this week. Him and Kamara. So give me the Saints. Last game. Philly and the Falcons. Two teams that <laughs> uh Philly pulled out their win, but they underwhelmed a bit against uh, a Washington team that a lot of people saw as a, a doormat of that division this year. But uh, Philly pulled it out. Atlanta didn't look so well this week either. Who you got in that one? Well, give me the Dirty Birds, man. I like it. That's what I'm going with, too. I think they bounce back. They shake back, get back they into that. Horrible. Oh, they look pitiful. I think Matt Ryan has a great game this week. I agree. I think Matt Ryan has a good game this week, and I also think that we see uh, Devontae Freeman have a good game as well. Um, but yeah, man, that pretty much does it for this episode. Was there anything else you wanted to say to the people before we got up out of here? Um, nah, that's it for now. That's it for now. Yeah, man, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, make sure that y'all continue to share our podcast everywhere. We appreciate y'all listening. Uh, we're going to do some more interactive stuff with y'all here soon, some more polls and whatnot. Um, and be, we'll be more uh, regular, too. Definitely. Now that we got the season flowing back, uh, we tried to get, get y'all some episodes last week, but our uh, our uh, generator through the podcast have been acting up a little bit. But now that we're back, we're definitely going get to y'all, get y'all some more content. We're going to start flooding y'all once again. But, yeah, man, signing out. It's your boy Ish. Mr. Boy Sam, we appreciate y'all. We out.